How's it going? Good. How are you doing today, Anna? I'm doing good. Um, Staying busy? Yeah. Sorry, I was running a little behind just because my meeting this morning ran a little long. Well, if we weren't always so early <laughs> in the morning for you, for you guys out in California. Yeah, thanks, Connor, for joining us so early in the morning. I'm usually up about this early. It's not super early for me. Okay. I got coworkers yeah. all over U.S. and the world, so I'm usually up early for them. So yeah, we have we have Connor here. I was gonna usually I compliment Connor on his shirts, and today he's got kind of a plain one. But well, normally Connor gives gives Eric Meyer a run for his money on shirts. <laughs> I should have picked a better one. I guess it doesn't matter since audio instead of video. You're the only one who gets yeah. to see it. <laughs> That's true. I like your shirt though. That's pretty cool. Uh, so so Connor is. Uh, I can introduce you or you can introduce yourself. It doesn't matter. Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> Connor is a member of the Nerves core team and uh, all around great shirt guy. <laughs> and I don't know if, if you've ever got to spend much time with, with Connor, Anna, but uh, uh, Connor Connor's always got some cool stuff going on. And I watch all the time Twitter messages come across saying, I just put nerves on insert random nintendo device here uh that is so rad yeah and, and so like i guess that's what i kind of wanted to talk to connor about today is like w- first like what drives you to to do this and then how how do you get it done and and uh what does the does the future nerves devices hold um so yeah why is i don't know I wouldn't have any valid reason to tell you why, because it's usually not like a uh, like fruitful endeavor. Usually, it's not uh, something useful at all. Um, it's more of a just because you can situation. So most recently, I think probably the most recent that I've shared is on uh, on Twitter. I shared Nintendo Switch running nerves, and that one actually wasn't that difficult at all, because someone else did a lot of the hard work of getting most of Linux running on it. So that's kind of the secret, get Linux running on it. Yeah, so a lot of it, the Nintendo Switch is kind of cool, because it's Nintendo's, you know, newest, latest, greatest thing. Usually Nintendo uh, builds a lot of, like, custom proprietary hardware, and this time they uh, pretty much just bought a, a Tegra Jettison X1, basically the reference implementation, and made it really small and that was about all they did to it so most of the linux ports was done for them because tegra releases nvidia releases a linux image when you're developing so basically the upstream nvidia image worked on the nintendo switch with some light modifications and then so getting nerves running on that was you know fairly straightforward because most of the work's already done i helped i I helped the guys who are maintaining the Linux port for it with a couple weird little things like uh, USB and stuff like that. But for the most part, it works. Um, I actually do plan on using the Linux switch port for some stuff. It's just not quite stable enough, and I haven't had time to put a lot of work into it other than making posts on Twitter about it. Because <laughs> that's really the important part, is just making sure everyone else oh, knows course. about it. Are <laughs> are these secret plans or no? They're not really or, secret or plans. Can you I share mean, what your just, plans are? I haven't decided on which one I'm going to pursue first. One of the other things I've been working on with uh, 
not necessarily nerves is uh just elixir as i've been writing a uh, there's a a little open source quadcopter called the crazy fly and uh i think by a company named bitcraze and it's pretty cool it's like 200 bucks and it's like a fully open source uh hardware and software design uh for quadcopters and uh i've got a few of them and the original like controller software is written in python and i'm not a huge fan of python and so being open source is cool and all but i just don't like writing python so i started porting the library to make it work to uh some c and elixir and so i've got that going now i've got a little phoenix app for controlling a little quadcopter that works pretty well um but my end goal is to have that it's controlled by a little usb device a little usb radio and uh, my end goal is to have that running on the Switch so I can control my quadcopter with my Switch. That, that, that is pretty cool. So are are these uh, the crazy flag quadcopters, are they, do you have to build them when they show up, or are they already pre-built? I had to build mine, but I think they're to a point where, um, like, they can ship them to you mostly assembled. Like, all you have to do is, like, like pop some plastic parts together. When, when you build it? Did you need to have soldering iron and yeah. stuff like that? Or is... Yeah, it was okay. a huge pain. Um, <laughs> I think I only... Um, so I've gotten a few of them, and the very first one I got required a lot of assembly. Like, you had to solder a lot of little things. You had to solder, like, a pin header on, the battery terminals, the motor terminals, all that stuff. Um, the second batch that I bought... I've got, like, four of them, I think. I bought them in batches of two. The second set I bought, I only had to solder like the pin header to hold the battery on and then i think the most recent ones that they sell actually come like pretty much fully assembled you just have to like snap it together nice so i so i met connor at elixircom last year Mm -hmm. uh we were both helping out with nerves trading and we're in the back and connor pulls out his ds and he's like check this out i got iex running my ds man (laughs) i wanted that to be useful it's just not (laughs) <laughs> I had such great plans for it when I first got it running, but then like after getting it all running, there's just too many places where it's lacking in features. And like so the DS is the 3DS and it's got Wi-Fi on it and I don't want to write the Wi-Fi driver for it and um <laughs> no one else has gotten around to it. So without networking it's not that great. Um and then without a physical keyboard it's not that great either. Like there is like someone made a little uh, a little app or like a uh, a touchscreen keyboard on the bottom screen because you know it's dual dual screens and the top one or the bottom one's a touchscreen, and so you know you can type things into IEX. It's just there's not really that much you can do with it without having networking or USB support. But that was I got that running before the switch was even announced, and that was like I was like this is how I'm gonna control my quadcopter, and that didn't pan out. Was that your first Nintendo device that you put nerves on? Uh, probably, yeah. I think I've only, I've only, I think it's just the Switch and the 3DS that I've got uh, nerves running on. I've also started working on the PlayStation Vita. That recently, like within the last couple months, the PlayStation Vita has got like hacked or whatever. So now you can run whatever you want on it, and uh, that's usually like the first part of you know that whole system is someone has to make it so you can run your own code on it and i think someone's started porting linux to it i've got like i've got like a proof of concept of it running but it's not very great and i haven't really got to like anything useful yet but 
I was hoping to get that done before this elixir conf, but I don't think I'll have time. What motivated the initial, like, I want to control this copter with my switch, or what prompted that, like, thought? I just have nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, how can I make my life a little bit worse for the next month? <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I have, I, I have, like, a tendency to just tinker with things that have no business being tinkered with. They're, like, I control my house with random things that I built just because. There's no reason to. It's just to say that you can. I like to post about it on Twitter. Gets lots of likes. Right. So it's all about Twitter. Yeah, really, basically. is, is That's the <laughs> summary of most of my life is how can I make Twitter like <laughs> me a little bit more? <laughs> I just need retweets. And I need, need retweets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I Well, and, and I, you're always tinkering with with stuff i know that at one point you messaged me and we started looking at like a tape deck for your car <laughs> oh yeah i don't remember what that problem i think i solved that problem differently but uh i don't remember what the problem was but my girlfriend's car we were moving and uh we were moving and my girlfriend didn't have like her stereo was broken or something and so i uh i didn't want to rip out the like the deck that was in it is like I don't like the look of modern uh, like stereos in cars. I think they look ridiculous, like flashing lights and all. Like, why does my stereo need all this? It doesn't. But I wanted Bluetooth because it's a 2003 vehicle, and so they make these little adapter or these little like doodads. They take you know a 2.5 mil audio jack and turn it into a Bluetooth thing that you can use. And so um, I hacked the heck out of the tape deck to make that work and i was messaging amos about it i don't remember why i thought you would have my solution <laughs> well I, I used to do communications for the military and that's what i fixed radios and satellites but Maybe that's uh, what it was. W without without a wiring diagram i i was quite a bit lost of what was going on but yeah that's an interesting piece of equipment that i ended up uh hacking a lot out of it all works now so that's cool nice that's pretty cool i think there was an arduino involved or a raspberry pi or something i'm fairly certain it's an arduino <laughs> it's been too long yeah most of my life is just ran by random arduino products <laughs> so uh what what's uh what's your favorite project that you've ever done i mean other than you do work on farmbot so that that's pretty stinking cool, and everybody gets to see that. Do you want to? Do you mind sharing a little bit about what Farmbot is for folks that might not be? Yeah, familiar? sure. Um, Farmbot is a fully open source uh, CNC gardening product. So, very much like a CNC router or a 3D printer, but bigger, and it grows food instead of cutting wood or printing plastic. Um, My favorite part is that it kills weeds. And it kills weeds. By stabbing That's them. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Suffocate the heck out of them. Wait, how can, it, how can it detect something's a weed? So it's not as advanced as you might think. Basically, you take a picture or many oh, okay. pictures, and FarmBot knows exactly where it has planted plants. So anywhere that it sees a plant that isn't where it's planted one or where it knows about one, it must be a weed. And, uh, so it definitely wouldn't work with a plant that has runners. That would be bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's got some limitations. We're still developing a lot of that uh, 
functionality, but it works uh, better than you would think. That's pretty cool. cool. How long has FarmBot been around? I think the project was started in 2014. The initial product launched to where you could like go out. It's always been open source, and so like people and myself like built them before that you could actually buy a FarmBot just based on the white paper and the schematics and all the open source documentation. So I built one I think in 2015, um, just based on like documentation and stuff. Uh, you could buy them. I think we launched in 2016 is when we launched the product that you could actually purchase and put together yourself. That's awesome. And Connor got to go to NASA. Oh right? yeah. What? Yeah. NASA is trying to put a farm bot on ISS or Mars or something. That's cool. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, there's another, there's a group at MIT, MIT's media labs. They have a project called the food computer or something like that. And uh, NASA is trying to get us to put a small version of FarmBot inside of their food computer. Both of the projects have like kind of the same goal, like FarmBots, you know, mechanically, you know, grows your food or whatever. And then MIT's thing, they kind of control the environment in which your plant is growing. And so the idea is to have the mechanical part from FarmBots with MIT's food computer thing that controls the environment around it to make it like fully 100% automated. That's and like I'm sure like to optimize for food production depending on where you are in the world or whatever or where you are in space. Yeah, where you are in space actually. Yeah. Could, so so get some people you know drop a few of these off on the moon and come back to earth. And then yeah, they that's... can go back up there in six months and have food to eat while they spend some time there. Yeah, I think that's like one of the ideas. Um, they were pretty vague on the whole, like what they wanted, like what their end goal was. They threw out like a lot <laughs> of ideas, but I think it was mostly just like they just wanted a bunch of companies. Because it wasn't just MIT and FarmBot. There was like, uh, like there's a number of like agriculture and farming based uh companies there and the idea is just to kind of get them together and these many companies do all the work and then nasa puts it somewhere when the work is complete or something to that extent that's pretty cool yeah how did nasa find FarmBot? i wouldn't i don't know i know nasa's building a farm bot or built yeah. one they have one in there in like the lobby of the um like the visitor center at uh, in Florida, I don't remember the name oh, of wow. the Cape, fort Cape Canaveral. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, man, I think I need to get in the car and just drive. Yeah, it's a little bit that. closer to you than it is to me. <laughs> not, not, not much. Florida's a Wait, very are you big in Kansas state. City too. now, Amos? I am not quite in Kansas City yet. <clears throat> Be uh, next month sometime. Got it. We're we're still waiting to close on the house, but inspections done. Everything's going well. Connor, what's the most like? What's the hardest project you've worked on, or what's been the most like frustrating or challenging project? Um, probably FarmBot is the most challenging because it like has customers. It's not just me. Like when something breaks on my end, you know, it takes two minutes to fix, and like, oh man, that was stupid. But uh, at FarmBot, when something breaks, it's usually a bigger deal because like someone's plants don't grow that day, and so you know, that has to be fixed. Um, FarmBot, I don't know if we said this or not, FarmBot is based on nerves, probably. I think it's the only, like, 
out there open source like full production nerves application i don't want to take away from oh actually no uh um sorry uh i don't remember the other one chris uh chris cote's project is open source also i can't uh, remember what it's called it's it's the uh, weather station thing right yeah something like that he uh doesn't post about it as much as i do on twitter so i don't remember <laughs> see how i brought that so, full circle so so chris chris <laughs> needs to get to out there and get some retweets is what yeah that's what i'm saying um no his project's <laughs> really cool it's um his is it's fully open source also it's by the national association of realtors and uh it's a really neat project also but anyway so Farmbot runs on uh nerves also and so like nerves is still pretty new so like a lot of the tooling and stuff for like managing releases and that kind of thing like that was probably one of the hardest things to set up for me was the whole like getting a release to people's devices without breaking them kind of situation yeah so how did how did you solve that i know that um oh uh garth's company i can't remember was was pushing over htp uh but like very yeah. open because they had a closed network. So yeah, the, you're obviously not on a closed network. So how do you how do you push out? Um, it was not incredibly difficult. I just made Circle CI do pretty much all of the work. Um, basically, we have since it's all open source, anyone can contribute. So you don't want to always be deploying the latest commit as you would like in maybe a private network where you just push to a particular branch or like you know you push to Heroku and it deploys your app. So we have. I've set it up with like two or three branches and basically whenever something gets merged into master circle CI builds the latest firmware and then makes a GitHub release. And then the bots just uh, get a message about that from our web API. And so it wasn't all that difficult to set up like the orchestration on like, you know, over building the release and pushing it out, but the orchestration of like actually managing upgrading on the device is a little bit more difficult. It's not like, you know, you push a update to Heroku or something and you just run the migrations real quick. And if your app's kind of down for a couple of minutes, it's not a big deal. Um, we don't have that luxury when pushing to, you know, an embedded system. So how do you, how do you handle that? Uh, just, very carefully ends up like <laughs> um like so i run ecto on the de on the device um for managing like a lot of the resources and configuration data and stuff like that and so that i just you know that's a pretty standard just run migrations but there are other things like you know when the bot is booting in you know in a normal uh, i'm gonna put quotes around normal elixir app you would like if something fails during boot up like it's not that big of a deal because it'll probably fix itself but in the case of an embedded system like there are a lot of things that just can't fail and if they do it's sort of a bigger deal because you end up with a device that just doesn't do anything and now it can't download it's like a fix for whatever problem happened and so there's a lot of things like that you have to take into account that are less than trivial but not super difficult and it's all stuff that like it's just stuff that you don't think of when you're like doing a web application just because it's you know like if you ever made a new phoenix app and you forgot to set your database up and like you forgot to do mix ecto.setup or something and then like ix just sits there and sends log warning or error logs to the shell like stuff like that just causes farmbot or a nerves device embedded system to not boot 
And so, you know, you just have to be very careful about what you do and don't set up initially. Right. You you, you don't often brick a server. You don't often brick <laughs> Whenever... a server. I mean, you pretty frequently, like, worst case scenario, you just SSH back into it or, you know, remote uh, remesh into it, and it's not a big deal. I can't remesh into everyone's farm bot. It'd be a large, <laughs> large undertaking. Probably a security concern. Uh... <laughs> that too. Are there any kind of general, like for folks that are maybe starting to think about hardware stuff or whatever, with something like this, are there any kind of general things that you do? Like you mentioned, there's a couple things you do have to think about that are different from, you know, web web applications, et cetera. Are there any that are always that are always present? There's a couple things that you always have to keep in mind. Yeah, I helped out. Um, Chris Freeze, I believe, is his name. Um, I helped him out with a blog post not that long ago because he was just starting to do a a nerves device of some sort. And uh, one thing that comes up, probably the thing that comes up the most when I'm helping people out get their nerves devices started is when you boot your device up, it doesn't have network and it doesn't have time. So it thinks, you know, it, there's no internet and it thinks it's January 1st, 1970 and that's just what it thinks the time is. So you can set up network, but time doesn't automatically get set, and um, SSL is based on time and expirations. So when you try to make an HTTP request, it will fail with a pretty cryptic error, something like certificate is expired when you're just trying to get an HTTP request, like Google or something. And so that's probably like one thing, it's just, like orchestrating getting your device up and running when you have a web server you as soon as your app is up you can just start making http requests connecting to servers doing whatever you want with uh not just nerves but any here we go i'm going to say internet of things <laughs> put sparkles around that if you edit the video, or if you edit it um you don't automatically get internet, and inter internet is intermittent, like, right, you could, your Wi-Fi could be down, the network could be down, so you, th those are just things you have to handle, and there's no, like, global way of handling them, it's going to be different per application. And then, so when you asked a minute ago, what's the hardest thing, I'm changing my answer, yeah. it's actually uh, not getting updates, it's just managing networking. Yeah, and I think uh, Nerves Networking has been, gone through a couple names and a and a couple of big changes. Yeah, um, I won't talk about nerve networking. <laughs> I supposedly maintain it, and man, I have just not been good to that repository. I've been not good to that project. So my my big thing when I've tried to work on on the networking stuff is that it's it's extremely difficult to test. Yeah, and, and require there's so many situations that your networking can get into that testing it thoroughly is is really hard i like the people who write network drivers at, for companies i i'm guessing they have some crazy big test rig that that just or you're the raspberry pi foundation and you don't test it at all you just you <laughs> ship your product with a broken kernel driver Ooh. <laughs> well, like they're keeping costs down yeah I, I like to complain about the Raspberry Pi, but it's a $35 computer. Can you imagine telling someone 20 years ago that you bought a computer with, like, four cores and a gig of RAM for $35? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. The the things that have gone on 
with with embedded devices and and the fact that you can even run Linux entirely on a computer that that is fits in the palm of your hand is kind of amazing. From oh, it's pretty wild. I, I grew up. <laughs> yeah, if somebody would have told me that, heck, even when I when I started college, which I guess that was a while ago. It doesn't feel that long ago, but. <laughs> Uh, but I, I felt like we were pretty advanced then compared to, you know, buying four megs of, or four gigs of Ram for, uh, a hundred dollars when I'm, when I moved, I threw away like 10 sticks of two gigs of Ram just because like, I didn't know what to do with it. There was no good use for it. Can you imagine telling someone that? however long ago <laughs> i just threw this threw away this away. is trash to me whenever yeah, i cook it's... a rat like i you know working with raspberry pies and doing stuff like that i cook them pretty frequently i've killed my fair share of poor helpless computers and i just throw it away there's no nothing good for it like it's yeah disposable it's it's insane that is really insane you don't want to throw a whole lot of 35 dollars away but no i mean but if you you're not crying yeah. at the end of the day if you had to. Can you imagine, like, you know, when computers were first becoming a thing, telling someone that you're, you know, when your gig, one gigahertz, one gig RAM, four core machine died, you just throw it away. Like, that would be someone's job <laughs> if they killed their machine. <laughs> I'm done. Cotter, how did you get, and I mean, maybe people know this, but how did you get into doing embedded stuff or hardware stuff? Is this something you've always been doing? Or? Yeah, I had really slow internet as a kid. And I had a lot of computers as a kid just because it was what I was into. So when you don't have internet, you have to do something to keep your time, I guess. Um, I had dial-up until I was, I don't know, 9 or 10. And so... Um, I had varying amounts of like electronics projects and so like one of you know one of my first projects as a kid was like get Linux on your 20 year old computer that your family has had for 100 years because Windows Vista doesn't run on it or whatever <laughs> and uh that's kind of I don't know I guess that's kind of where it all started I started doing like embedded stuff with uh Android Android is fully open source and so when a new version of Android comes out, all of its source is... Android is Linux-based, for anyone who didn't know that. Um, so I had, like, some really random, cheap, like, Chinese knockoff phones that, you know, once the manufacturer pushes them out, they don't push updates to Android. And so, like, one of the first things that I, like, did as a kid was... Or not as a kid, but, like, as a young, younger person... Uh, was get like later versions of Android on my old phones that had no business running them, which usually involves like Linux kernel, like driver backports or writing drivers, stuff like that. So that's kind of where it all started. And I got to say, that was way harder than it is to get nerves running on a device that (laughs) we've come so far. So so the nerves, nerves tools are very helpful. Yeah. Nerves is based on build root and Android open source project is based on some Google engineer with nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, one of the things that I found when working with nerves and, and deploying, it was really nice is the, uh, the AB partition thing that happens so that you, it makes it really hard to brick a device. Yeah. I was just about to say, do you know how many phones I've bricked as compared to how many raspberry Pis I've bricked? It's like, 
a lot of phones and zero Raspberry Pis. <laughs> you can always just fix your Raspberry Pi by popping in a new SD card. Oh, that's that's true. When you can just replace the the yeah. system and but having like, like the A B partition back and forth thing is super nice. So, what about um, some of the devices that that Nerves works with that don't have an SD card? Um, I well, I mean, the AM33, the BeagleBone Black platform, uh, you can get one without SD cards or like you know their reference. I don't know if their reference implementation, but like the BeagleBone Black itself has an EMMC, which is basically just like they took a four gig SD card and soldered it to the board. It's it works the same as an SD card, but um, it's like you would ship your product on that rather than having your product on an SD card if you're in like a uh, closed source situation where you don't want to have people just pulling the SD card and dumping the contents of it, etc. Um, it's not terribly different from an SD card. You have to do things like getting the initial firmware onto the device is a little difficult. Um, Frank Hunleth is actually working with... Uh, Justin on uh, Nerves Hub, which is kind of tying into that a bit. So um, basically, you have to have the manufacturer or something to that extent put your initial firmware on the device. But after that, it's essentially the same from Nerves' point of view, anyways. You just push to it, and you have the yeah. AP you just flop however, over. yeah. However, you end up getting your firmware to your device after the initial ones on there. And as long as you don't get it in a situation where it can't get back to the AB partition situation or something similar, like some similar fallback manner, um, it's not terribly difficult. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we really explain the AB partition, but um, Connor, correct me if I if I mess anything up here. But you have a system that's up and running, your initial system, and you push new content to it. It loads everything into a separate partition from itself and then tells the system to restart. And there's yeah. some code that when it restarts, it restarts on the new partition, the B partition. And if it doesn't actually boot up, it will restart again back to the to the A partition. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. Um, I want to throw like an asterisk on there, but um, doesn't boot up, like put an asterisk on there is you get to decide what doesn't boot up is. Because it does well. Okay, so for like the BeagleBone Black-based devices, there's some stuff in U-Boot that can magically make it happen. So um, U-Boot being the bootloader for that's the thing that actually boots Linux. Um, there's some magic stuff that Frank has set up. So if it doesn't actually boot to Linux, it'll revert to the other side or to the other partition. But for the most part, you're kind of in charge of what counts as being fully booted or not. And usually it's something to do with able to get another firmware update. Like, you just want to get it up to the point of getting another update in case something went wrong. And then you can continue the cycle of pushing bad firmware updates, etc. Or you could fix your problem, whatever that may be. <laughs> What's the most fun project you've worked on, Connor? Or is there is there one that stands out? Is there one that stands out? Um... I work on a lot of projects. I have this tendency to start really stupid things and then never finish them. Um, if you look at my GitHub accounts, like I just have like I think I have like 87 repositories, and almost none of them are forks. Like <laughs> they're all projects that I started and like made really good progress on, like over the course of one weekend, and then just forgot about. And uh, one day I'll finish them if you ask me, but 
for the most part, I probably won't finish them. And so picking one as the most fun, I don't know. Okay. I do I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of Game Boy, like original Game Boy developments, like the one that came out. I think it came out in like eighty something, the like the very original one. And so um, I've got a, like I've started a few games on the original Game Boy, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. I'd say I make the most like progress on those ones. So so, what what's the process of making a a game for? For the Game Boy, uh, learns the eighty assembly, <laughs> and then um, that's pretty much most the of the hard part. Um, so, do you have to buy something that writes a cartridge, or do they have like a cartridge that you can plug a USB into the back of and load stuff on? Yeah, there's a number of different ways to load uh, load stuff onto the Game Boy itself. Um, they make like cartridges that you can flash with whatever you want, or I think there's a few of them that you can just put ROMs on an SD card now. Um, the SD card runs at 3.3 volts all the time, though, and so you don't think of an SD card as being like a huge power drain. But for the Game Boy that runs on like a double A, two double A batteries, it actually ends up being like a pretty big power drain. So I don't use those one. I think I have one, but I don't use it very often because you only get like an hour and a half of playtime out of something that originally had 20 hours. Wow. Um, for the most part, I do most of the development in uh, like an emulator. It's pretty easy that way. You just, you know, you that way you don't have to worry about like waiting for the cartridge to flash because it takes like a minute to flash the cartridge, and that's something that like Nerves does really well. Is like iterating your code is super fast, and that's something that like now I can't. I can't get away from that now. I like every time I work with some embedded device, whether it be like a Game Boy or some other like like Arduino project or something, like having to wait to push your code to the device sucks. With nerves, you know, it takes thirty seconds to be up and running. You don't have to you know, pull the SD card out of the device, you don't have to do anything and like that's just something that now I'm spoiled with. I'd never be able to go back to doing like regular C++ C embedded system development just because mm-hmm. it takes so long to get the device up and running just to t- see that you you know made a typo and you have to do it again <laughs> <laughs> how was nerves able to get it to that point like what were the optimizations or some of the optimizations made that you were able to actually get it uh, Frank Hunleth never sleeps I think is oh, okay. probably <laughs> the real no uh, there's like most of like the really cool stuff that happened or like the really useful stuff with nerves is in like the tooling so integration with mix and elixir is super nice but even Mm -hmm. below that is like um frank built this project called fw up and that's kind of like the backbone of a nerves uh a nerves image for anyone who doesn't or hasn't done nerves it's basically like the package that your elixir app is so you can think of it kind of like a, uh, like you would have a distillery or an OTP release, but it also has like the Linux file system and the Linux kernel and stuff like that all built into it. And so Frank's FWUp project, it can, it writes like these images it and it also packages them. And so one, it's really fast at it. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever set up Raspbian or something on a Raspberry Pi, but it takes, like, 10 minutes to write the entire operating system to an SD card. Okay. Um, FWUp writes the image in, like, 
10 seconds on a uh. slow machine. So it won't write Raspbian, of course, but, um, you know, it'll write the nerves image or the FW up image in a matter of seconds. So, yeah. you know, even, so even if you are pulling your SD card and writing data to it every time, I mean, at worst case, you got like a minute to get your code up and running. If you were doing the same thing with, say, Raspbian or something to that extent, you know, 10 minutes between each SD card, right? Go make yourself a cup of coffee. I'm waiting for one of those, like that XKCD yeah. uh, comic where <laughs> they're fighting or something and waiting for the compiler. Yeah, that's fair. That, that, that's, that's pretty rad that that's possible. And the, the great thing about nerves that I've seen, too, is that that, that all sounds semi-complicated uh, if somebody is not not dealt with making firmware and, and building systems, but there's a lot of that there too already for you. You don't actually have to know that FWAP is under the covers or FWAP. Yeah, exactly. Or, um, we make it so easy. Yeah, and it'll find your SD card for you. Yeah. And Basically, and our, I mean, like, you can get started with nerves with, like, a $5 device that you get on Amazon or whatever, shipped to your door, it'll be here tomorrow, you need an SD card, and an SD card writer, and boom, you've got Elixir running on your device. Super nice. Yeah, most Raspberry pack, Raspberry Pi packages come with SD cards and writers too, so you you have everything in like a one stop click. Yeah, it's shopping so <laughs> nice. Or you can even get them from like Target or um, what's that place that um, Micro Center is that what it's called? Yeah, is that a place? Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't. We don't have that in California, or at least yeah, I don't I was, have I was one gonna here. Say, what is that? But... You have fries, don't you? We have fries. It's very similar to fries, okay. except fries is expensive. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think you can actually get them from fries. I don't, we don't have one here in San Luis Obispo, but uh, there's probably one in Ventura. I, I I hear that fries has everything though. Uh, fries is like one of my favorite places on this planet. <laughs> it's basically like you like if you ever wanted to walk to New Egg, basically that's what it is. Sweet. I've, so I've they never have, been they to have, fries. Really, I think they're I think they're mostly a California thing. You should uh, stop by one one time if you ever are in California. They're all themed. It's very interesting. They're wait what? They're themed. <laughs> they're like a theme park. Oh, like, they have like so they're the one in Sacramento is um like it's all based on like trains and stuff. There's one in um I think in like Escondido or something, and it's all the um. Wizard of Oz or something like that. I can't. I think that's nice. what it is. But yeah, they all funny. have like these wild that. themes, and they all have like cafes and they're like you to go there and you just spend a whole day and you spend way too much money on stuff that you didn't really need. <laughs> it's like the IKEA of electronics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Oh man, I love IKEA too. Oh, I know you, you can live at IKEA for the day. Yeah. Go take a nap on a bed. Go back downstairs and need eat to have some food more. Ports. Yeah. That's Every... what gets you. Every store should have a food court, no matter how small it is. That would be well. <laughs> I don't know, that would be as useful. Is there anything like up and coming in the Nerves project that you're excited about, or any changes that are being made, or anything that you can share? I don't know. Um. So we have Nerves Hub coming, which will be really cool. It's um. It's going to be similar to like Docker Hub with like one click installs, so you can just like. So the idea is that like if you see a cool project you can just one click install it to your SD card and you know you have that project running on your Raspberry Pi or whatever device that it was made for. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a really cool thing. I haven't been super involved with the development of Nerves Hub, but I know Justin has basically been nonstop on it. 
Justin Schnack. He's another mm-hmm. core team member. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen much of him at all over the course <laughs> of the last like month or two because okay. that's just all he's been doing. And Frank is uh, kind of leading that project also. But other than that, for Nerves, I'm hoping that we can get uh, uh, Justin demoed Nerves Reactor. I think we're changing the name of it, but basically it's the hot code reloader for Nerves. And uh, I'm hoping we can get that going. I've been trying to pressure him into it for the better part of a year. That'd be really cool like, for systems so cool. that you can't let go down. Yeah, or just like rapid development is... I mean, because, like, see, I was saying I've been spoiled with pushing a firmware update and it takes 20 seconds. Can you imagine it taking zero seconds? Like, you just hit save right. and it's there. That's yes. kind that would of, be cool. That's what I'm <laughs> waiting for. So, so reactor with uh, file system watch support that will just load that, that module? Yeah, I'm not um, 100% sure how it works. Um, Justin has it working, so part of it's already deployed to nervous devices. That's shoehorn. Um, that's kind of the initialization of the Erlang VM for Nerves devices. It's um, both a distillery plugin and like what initializes your app and what makes sure it doesn't go down. Um, part of the functionality built into that is also going to work for Nerves Reactor, and it uh, kind of overlays a remote file system or a remote OTP release onto your device. It's really cool how it works. We just need some tooling on the nerve side or on the host side to get it working. So are you still going to be able to, I think you, you said it, but I, I might've missed it. Are you still going to be able to do the like AB? I, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Regular updates will still work just as if they were. Um, well, I mean, I mean, in the hot code reloading, could you end up bricking a device? Oh, yeah. So that? that's with hot code reloading, it won't use the AB partition thing. So that's kind of like the first part of shoehorn is make sure networking doesn't go down. Like, you know, that's an option for it. So as long as networking is up or as long as the applic- the OTP application that handles running your code updates, you shouldn't be able to brick it unless, of course, you're hot code reloading that module itself which, you know, there's a bit of a chicken-egg problem to get your, like, um, one of the big projects that people start with is Nerves Init Gadget, and developing that one's an interesting project because you can't use Nerves Init Gadget to load Nerves Init Gadget. And so you have to kind of, it's a chicken and egg. Like, you actually have to (laughs) write code that doesn't break at first. (laughs) I think there's a lot lot of that that I run into when developing hardware, but... Um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing to deal with because to test your updates, your update system, you have to have a working update system. <laughs> yep, I and that, that nerves knit gadget I think is is important just to mention that if you if you do go out today and order your Raspberry Pi on and Amazon, should. have it shipped to you. Yes, you should, uh, and you're going to load a nerves project onto it. That you should also do. Um, but include into that the nerves in it. Uh, well, I just blanked out on the name. Nerves in it gadget is the name yeah, of the project. Yeah. Um, I started to say nerves in it project, but that that thing has so many good little tools that if you're just if you want to play around, just load that up and then yeah. start going from it's, there. It's all stuff that you end up like if you decide to build a um, like a production 
nerves application it's all stuff you have to end up implementing custom yourself but to get like to get going off the ground it's super nice like every single time i create a new nerves project for some dumb idea i had it always starts with nerves in a gadget just because um frank frank is the one who built and maintains it and it originally wasn't even like a nerves project repository like it was originally just something that frank had and i mean it's all pretty much like it's all just really simple stuff that you wouldn't think of initially when you're just trying to you know hit some api or do some tiny project it's just all stuff that you wouldn't think of and that's you know it's all been done for you and it's very nice well i know that uh anna kind of has a stop coming up here so we probably need to wrap up for the day but Connor, th thanks for coming out. Yeah. So yeah, thank you me. so much. It was awesome. Anybody have any uh, any words of wisdom, closing statements they want to give out? Connor, what are some words of wisdom for folks that are <laughs> new to Nerve and are just starting out? Um, embedded systems isn't as hard as you think it is. Just do it. It's especially okay. with Nerves. I mean, just come hang out with us. We're in Slack. I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they are always so helpful in Slack, too. Yeah, I, I try to keep that one open as much as possible because the more people I'm responding to in Slack, the less real work I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But, but real work involves building a farming robot that kills weeds. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty fun, too. But <laughs> Well, thank you. This was awesome. Cool. Thanks, oh. guys. I All guess right. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.